says your heavenly father knows what you have need of. But then it goes on once again and it repeats the very same words. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, let's open them this morning to the uh, book of Luke. Got a lot of scripture, a lot of things to talk about. Last week I was finishing up our series on keeping first things first and I really felt the Lord impressed on me. He said, I got one more thing I want to say. And so we're going to continue on today just for a few moments this morning. We live in a world that has its priorities all out of whack. Can somebody say amen? Families where husbands aren't being husbands. Fathers aren't being fathers. Mothers aren't being mothers. Children aren't being children. Employers that are that are doing different things and employees that are not... The, the world is all out of whack. But I don't want to talk about the world as much as I want to talk about the church. Because you and I have a tendency to get caught up in the world. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? And part of that reason is, is because we live in it. We live in it. And that whole separation between the Christian and the non-Christian, the sinner and the saint. I have found too many saints become ain'ts because they forget the separation. In your notes, I've known many Christians who have succeeded in their careers only to fail at home. They work countless hours they do all of these things to try to get a little bit further ahead, a little bit more money. After all, we've got to take care of the family. I've got to feed the family. I've got to do these different things. My dad, I, I love my dad, and, and uh, we sent him home. Well, I didn't send him home. The Lord called him home about three, four years ago. And uh, he was one of those guys. Day, dawn to dusk. Oh, not dusk, man. He worked hours past. Didn't see dad a lot growing up. In the same home, amongst the same people, that was then, this is now, Christians who succeed in their careers only to fail at home. 
I have known some who have built very successful ministries. I'm talking about ministries of thousands and thousands, only to succumb to pride and, and arrogance and immorality. What, what is the common denominator to these? You see, they failed to keep their relationship with God first. And I want you to hear me this morning because I really, I really sense the Lord is telling us this is the key to the victory that you and I will live in our life. Father, when you get up on t- tomorrow morning before you go to work, do you just say, honey, I'm going to work, bye? Or do you grab your wife by the hand? Do you, do you take some time and pray with her and say, honey, I have to go to work now. But you know why I'm going to work? Because I'm going to be the example to you that I'm supposed to be to my father, to my kids. And I'm going to work because God gave us this job. God gave us this ability. I think so many times people fail to keep their relationship with God first, the priority in their lives first. Therefore, they fail. Let me go a step further. I even know some churches that are so enamored by what I call nickels, numbers, and noise that they start to go roughshod over the people. They start to neglect the worth of the individual. One of the things that I get complimented on as the pastor of Victorious Life is how in the world do you know so many people by name? Because I don't want you to be just a seat in a pew. I want you to be a person in God's kingdom. So I take the extra effort to learn your name. Yes, it might take two or three visits for me to know your name. It may be like a couple of you in here. I I remember Mike Chastain. Where's Mike at? I tell this story all the time. He's in the back back there. Mike, Mike Chastain, like I said, I tell this story. If you've been here a long time, you've heard it probably a dozen times. That's okay. Today's 13. (laughs) Mike Chastain came to church, and he filled out the guest card. And he filled out the guest card, Larry Michael Chastain. So I figured, well, his name's Larry. So, well, he comes to church, and you think, well, pastor, he wants to be called Mike, but you call him Larry, what's the big deal? No, I called him Mark. (laughs) It probably took me six months before I started calling him Mike. We have another wonderful lady that comes to church here. Her name's Kathy. I've called her everything but Kathy. Nice things, of course. Are you here today, Kathy? Is she? Yes, see, I've offended her once and too many times. And that's... But I make it an effort to try to get to know your names. My wife, she stands amazed. I, I go out on the streets of Flagstaff and somebody, hey, pastor, how you doing? And I call them by name. They don't come to our church. See, sometimes I think we fail the most important. We major on the minors and we forget the cause of the gospel. Can I say amen in this house? Jesus didn't come to serve he, or to be served. He came to serve. In the book of Romans chapter 14, we, we find a passage of scripture that talks about young people coming to, to know the Lord. And, and in the church of Rome, the mature Christians, if you will, were flaunting their liberty in Christ, and they were eating anything they wanted to eat. They were doing all the things before God that they knew they could do, but the others that were just coming out of the law, just coming out of bondage, were not quite 
as pliable and quite as uh, open to the different things. And the stronger brothers and sisters would mock them, putting their liberty above love. Can I tell you something? There's no place in God's word that gives us the place to put other people down just to try to build us up. As Christians, as Christians, we were talking on Wednesday night. If you miss our Wednesday night Bible study, folks, you miss an incredible opportunity to grow. We're teaching on the book of Romans, and Wednesday night was one of the hardest books in the Bible, the book of Romans chapter 13. Chapter 13 is hard book in the Bible. You know why? It tells you to submit to authority. Ooh, do we like that. I felt the shudder go through the room. <laughs> Bless God, nobody's going to tell me to submit. Well, the Word of God does. And so, until God changes his mind, which I don't think he's going to, that's what the Word says. So we were teaching on it. We were doing this, these different things on, on Wednesday night in helping people to grow and people to understand. And in there, we were talking about judging people. Can I tell you the church is really messed up with this whole concept, judge not lest ye be judged. It is so far out of context and so far out of its meaning. Do you know that if you have somebody in the world that's doing worldly things, you're not to judge them and try to bring them into your understanding? What do sinners do? They sin. But if you have a Christian... That somebody that calls himself a Christian and they're doing non-Christian things. Do you know what the Christian's supposed to do? Hey, you're not supposed to do that. Oh, don't judge me. I'm not. The Word of God is. Are you okay out there? And you see, we, we get this stuff. Why? Because we take our relationship with God and take it out of priority. As I've been sharing in this entire series, keeping the main thing is the main thing. And if we keep the main thing the main thing, it'll always be the main thing. I'll leave that for you all to chew on when you leave. Can I tell you to the Christian, God's kingdom is the main thing. And it centers not on external matters, but on our relationship with God and others. Jesus said, I came that you might know how to live for God and to live towards others. I have been pastoring, man, for 30, almost 35 years. Some of you say, Pastor, you don't look that old. Okay, I guess I'll just leave that one lay. Okay. I've been pastoring almost 35 years. And I've, yeah, praise God. But I've seen stuff in the church. Look at somebody and say, he's not going to talk about me now, is he? Ooh, you never know. I tell people when I go on visit with them, I say, you, you realize any stuff we use here, this is sermon fodder. It becomes Sunday morning's message. Okay, maybe not. But I, I, I've seen so many strings, it, things. And I, I, I read a story. Uh, uh, Reg, Ray Steadman, tremendous pastor, used to pastor right down the street for me, from me when I was pastoring in California. Ray Steadman, in one of his books, he told the story of a church, and it's in your notes, got into an argument over whether they should have a Christmas tree in the Christmas program. How many have ever heard that story in church? 
Even in our church, it's one of those interesting things. And some think the Christmas tree is fine because they understand the Christian sense of the Christmas tree. But others think it is absolutely anathema to have a Christmas tree in church. It is a pagan symbol of pagan origin. Well, this church couldn't decide, and all of a sudden it came time for the Christmas party. And one of the groups brought a Christmas tree in. And the other group quickly tore it down and dragged it out. The first group went out and got it and dragged it back in. Finally, a squabble broke out and it turned into a fist fight at the Christian Christmas party. Can somebody say amen? Eventually, the whole thing wound up in the newspaper because it, they ended up suing each other. This is actually a true story, sadly. And Ray Stebman said, what else could the non-Christian community conclude, but that the gospel consists of whether you have a Christmas tree or not. That's a very funny illustration, but it bears so true. How many things do we squabble over? How many things do we get caught up in instead of just getting caught up in Jesus? Luke chapter 12, you have your Bible starting with the 15th verse. Jesus said, beware. Say that with me. Beware. Jesus said, beware. Say that again. Beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by what you have, by what you own, by what you don't have, about who you know, about what you wear, about where you go, as far as godly things. We're talking to Christians now. And then Jesus began to share a story. He said there was a rich man. It's in your notes there, that had a very successful farm and produced very successful crops. And this rich man sat down and said, what do I do? I have no room for my crops. I have no room for what I have. I've got so much. And then he sat down and in one of those contemplative modes, and he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns, and I will build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all of my, say that with me, my, say that with me, my wheat and other goods. And I will sit back and say to myself, say that with me, myself. Do you see the emphasis there? You don't see God's glory. You don't see God first. You don't see God's presence. He said, I'll say to myself, my friend, that's pretty serious when you sit down and you talk to yourself and you might be the only friend you have. He talks to himself says, my friend, you've enough. Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God watches all of this and says to him, you fool, this night you will die. And then in your notes, I've left the scripture in there. I want you to underline these words. Then who will get everything you worked for? Look at me for a moment. Those that are in here that are trying to build their life, their career, their uh, notability. What happens when it's done? Well, I leave it to my kids. I leave it here. I leave it there. Really? Really? Solomon wrote all about that, and he said, I leave it to people that didn't even work for it. They don't care about it. They're just going to use it, and it's going to be squandered. 
Do you know how many funerals I've done that after the funeral is done, they start fighting over who gets what? Man, families torn apart over things. Look what he says. Who's going to get everything you've worked for? And now I want you to underline this. I want you to double underline it. I want you to put exclamation points. I want you to put asterisks. And I want you to look at this and understand. Yes, I'm not speaking, people. Jesus is speaking. Remember, Jesus is up here talking. Look what he says. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. How many can say we need to keep Jesus first? Then he turned to his disciples and he said, he he started to explain the difference between the, the temporal and the eternal. And I love the way the Lord just laid this out. He said, don't, don't, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you got enough food or enough clothes. Life is more than food. And the body is more than clothes. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or put food in the barns. God takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than any bird? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing, I love the way the Lord puts that, adding days to life, that's a little thing. He said, if your worries can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use worrying about bigger things? Look at the lilies, how they grow. Solomon in all of his glory wasn't even dressed a little bit like the glory of this, this, the beauty of God's flowers. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and tomorrow are cast into the fire, how much more does he care for you? Underline this, please. Why do you have such little faith? Bless you. Why do you have such little faith? You say, Pastor, it's easy for you to say, am I different? I deal with the same stuff you deal with. I go through the same things you go through. I face the same issues you you face. Don't be concerned about what you eat and drink. Don't worry about these things. He said these are the things that dominate the minds of the unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows what you need. And then he gives us the understanding we need to grab a hold of. Seek God's kingdom above everything else, and everything else will be given to you. Don't worry, little flock. I love the way this passage closes. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now think about that for a moment. God has no greater desire than to give us the kingdom. You see, keeping first things first, folks, it's not just a simple phrase that somebody came up with or a a thought of some kind of grandiose experiment. It is literally the catalyst 
for you and I even to have or to live a victorious Christian life is keeping God first in every area. One of the things I try to do at my home is to tell my wife how much I love her every day. I, try, I go out of my way to try to do that. I try to go out of my way. When I talk to people in ministry of this church, it may, it may seem like overkill, but it is the depths of my heart how much I appreciate you, how much I appreciate. And I go out of my way to do. You know why? I realize this life is just here and now. But you and I need to know that God's kingdom and God's appreciation and God's love is forever. Can somebody say amen? Throughout the scripture, quickly this morning, God gives us a warning. He gives us this warning about not focusing on the world, but to keep our focus in heaven. Do you know why he gives us this warning? Because it's easy to so focus on external matters that we will begin to neglect eternal matters. And pretty soon, the external overrides the eternal to where now we're living more for the here and now and less for the then and there. Let me give you another passage that talks very similar to what Luke in our text just said, Matthew 6, 31 to 34. It said, don't worry about these things. What things? The things of life. What we eat, drink, wear. These, and I want you to underline this next line, and live Righteously. What is that talking about? What does it mean to live righteously? It means to live in right relationship with God. You see, you can say the right things, but if your feet aren't going the right places, you nullify what you say. How many have had people tell you one thing only to do another? How many times does it take you to hear what they say and just ignore it because they're always doing something else? It's like the little boy that cried wolf. See, that's what happens, and, and, and if people, if, you're, if your word does not line up with your actions, it won't be long before you're just an actor, and that's what people look at. I, I, if you wonder what that is, I'm trying to get that thought out of my mind so it doesn't come across my lips. Keep, seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he'll give you what you need. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring enough worries of itself. Today has enough trouble. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, that right relationship with God. You see, the man or woman who would keep God first is the one who would realize that living is more than that, that, that life is more than living is just more than living life. It is having a life to live. Because when you have a life to live, you know it's not about the moment. We have an eternity to gain. There are many, <coughs> excuse me. There are many in the church, and I want you to hear me, they give in various ways. They give, some give outlandishly. Some give of themselves, and they come to church, and they serve, and they serve, and they serve, and they serve, which is a good thing. But outside the church, you don't see much of a godly relationship. You don't see that right standing or that righteousness. Righteousness. 
their personal walk with God is virtually non-existent. Non-existent. People need to see Christ in us. You say, well, pastor, but I, I just get so busy that, that sometimes I, 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 lose, I, I lose it and I, I don't do that. Folks, it's, it's not a God issue and it's not a devil issue. It's a you issue. It's a priority issue. You see, when I do something wrong, if I do something wrong before Jeff, hopefully I haven't, but if I do, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn right back around and go back to Jeff and say, Jeff, please forgive me. I tell people all the time, if you do something wrong privately, fix it privately. If you do something wrong publicly, fix it publicly. Oh, pastor, people didn't see. Oh, they always see. That's just like uh, Coach Wooten of the L.A. Bruin. He, he was teaching his basketball players. He said, every time you uh, have the people drive down the court and, and they make a basket and, and you've been assisted in making that basket, make sure you turn around and, and recognize that guy. And the coach was asked, well, coach, what if they're not looking? He said, oh, they'll be looking. See, people want to know, are you really real? I get around people all the time, and you know what? I am here. I am at home. I am out in the field. I, I went to a place the other day, and I was, I was uh, uh, going to see somebody. They don't go to our church. Well, I spent quite a long time with them. They told me they've never read the Bible. Oh, they've been going to church well, pretty much their whole life. You know what I did before I left? I explained the plan of salvation. And I prayed with them to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Do you know why? Because that's what we are. We don't go to church. We are church. We are Christian. See, we have life to live because we have eternity to gain. Paul, at one time, was like the person I'm talking about. He would say all the right religious things, but his life was totally, completely different. He did all the works of the law, even persecuting those who had become Christians. But he had no concept of grace. So let me emphasize this again. What does it really mean to seek God's kingdom and to live righteously? Let me explain it. It's in your notes. We live in a kingdom. When you become a Christian, we live in a kingdom, and we submit to the king. We submit to the king. God's kingdom literally, listen to this, is the divine authority and rule that is given by the Father through the Son. Jesus exercises the rule as king. So when you are in a kingdom, what do you do? You submit all of your life to that king. You submit all of you, everything you have to that king. What does it mean to seek God's kingdom? That means that everything I have, God, is yours, is from you, and is for you, and I submit that unto you. And how do I submit it unto him? The life that I live. When somebody asks me, man, you're getting a lot, you're doing this, you're doing that, your response in some measure of fashion should be, God is helping me. 
God is blessing me. Now, I'm not a believer to tell people God loves them. You know why? There's lots of gods in this world. I'm a believer. If you're witnessing, you need to talk about Jesus. Because it's only the name of Jesus that signs light in the darkness. Okay, that's the thing that irritates people. When you talk about God, it doesn't bother them a whole lot. When you start talking about Jesus, oh, they get fluffered up. How many know that? They get frustrated. I was listening to, uh, or I shared a few weeks ago about Oprah Winfrey. She was, uh, she was uh, uh, interviewed in, in Christian Today magazine. And, and she said, the problem with Christians is they get caught up in this one-way thing. That Jesus is the only way. And then she said these words, I believe there's many ways to heaven. Ixnay on the Ixnay. There's one way. And when you start talking about Jesus, that's exactly what you do before people. When you're living in the kingdom, that's what you're talking about is the king. That's what you're living before is the king. We submit to this king. A kingdom has a king, and Jesus is the anointed king. You say, well, pastor, what if I'm not in Jesus' kingdom? There's only two kingdoms. The Lord's or the devil's. Well, I'm not in the devil's either. If you're not in the Lord's, you are. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either of your father in heaven or of your father, the devil. Oh, preacher, you're judging me. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Man, it got real solemn really quick. You see, the choice is ours to make, but the choice is very loudly lived when you leave this room. Folks, it's easy to live for Jesus inside a house of people that call on the name of Jesus. Well, what are you doing when you're all alone? You're still supposed to be in the kingdom. Living righteously, which means even outside of the normal occupation, I'm still living before the king. Are you with me? Philippians chapter 4, look at the scripture. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Remember a couple weeks ago in the series as we were talking about Everything points back to the Lord's return. Everything points back to the Lord's return. Then it goes on to say, don't worry about anything. Does that sound familiar? What happens when we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? He said we don't have to worry about everything. But it goes on to say, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. When's the last time you thanked God for giving you that job? for giving you that promotion, for giving you that scholarship, for giving you that, that, that increase, for giving you those children, for giving you that wife. I'm going to stop right there for a second. When's the last time that you thank God for those things? We're always asking God, but are we thanking him? Then look what it says. You do this, you will experience God's peace. He said, Pastor, I'm not experiencing God's peace. Well, I can guarantee you're not doing something in this. There's something about the king and kingdom principle that you're not abiding in. And he said, the peace that I give you passes all understanding. And it says, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds. 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he says, finally, brothers, this one thing I leave with you. Fix your thought on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting into practice everything you've learned and received from me, everything that you've seen and saw me doing. Then the God of peace that passes all understanding will keep you and be with you. Look at the audacity of Paul here. He said, you want to know how to live a Christian life? Just watch me. You want to know how to be a Christian? Just watch me. That's, that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Matter of fact, he said, the things you see, learned, and received in me, put them to action, and God's peace will be with you. As a pastor, and as the pastors in this church, as the leaders in this church, your life should be as such that when people watch you, they can emulate you. If you can't emulate me as a Christian, you need to find a new church because this pastor's jacked up. Now watch the folks take that and edit it and say, see, he even says himself is jacked up. But if they can't follow me, if I'm something different at the gym than I am here, if I'm something different at home, I remember uh, I read it or heard it about a pastor was in a church and he was talking, he was preaching some wonderful thing about family and about this and about that and the other thing and, and about living for God. And, and his wife happened to be in church that day. She didn't come with him all the time. That's your first key. His wife happened to be with the church that day, and I think she was just fed up. He's up there preaching all these wonderful things, and his wife stood up in the back, started shouting, He's a liar! He doesn't live that way! He doesn't do... Oh, boy. You talk about shutting the service down really quick. You gotta say and do the same thing. That's what it means to seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. The second thing that God warns us about, he says it's easy to lose tomorrow because we're too consumed with today. Proverbs chapter three, verse five through seven says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Underline that line for me, please. Too many of us think we got it all together. No, wives, keep your elbows to yourself, please. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek his will in all you do. Does that sound familiar? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And all these other things he will add unto you. Doesn't that sound like our passage? Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn from evil. Ladies and gentlemen, the man or the woman that would keep God first in all things realizes that trusting God's word is more than trusting their wisdom. I've thought many times in my Christian experience that I had it all figured out only to fall flat on my face. But God was still there to lift me up and says, I'd like to try it my way this time. See, there's too many that walk around doing things their way. When the word of God says, if you just focus on his way, you would know you could do 
his will. Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not the matter of what we eat or drink, but of living life in goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'll get more into that in a moment. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. And look what it says here. And be approved by others. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Let us aim for harmony and try. You see what the Word of God is telling us? There's effort that has to be taken if you're going to live in harmony. There's effort that has to be taken if you're going to build somebody else up that's around you. You see, our entire Christian journey in this life is for the purpose of God and others. Nothing more, nothing less. I've shared this, folks. It's not about your career. It's not about your job. It's not about your vocation. No, all these things are wonderful, and all these things are good, and yes, all these things are important. But when they become the importance, that's when we lose things. The Bible says idolatry is anything that you do that is more important than God. That's idolatry. Very simple term. Very simple definition. Anything more important. Did you know that you can idolize a wife, a child, a husband, a job, a scholastic career? You know, just fill in the blank. You can idolize all kinds of things. Anything that puts itself in front of God is an idol. And God says, I'm going to share my glory with nobody. Can you say amen? Our entire journey in this life is about God and others. It is usually when we are focused on ourselves or on that idea I just said that we get caught, we get lost in the minutia of cynicism, narcissism, and egotism. But as we've read here in the book of Romans, in the book of Luke, in the book of Matthew, in the book of Philippians, and I should go on, one way we will know what the kingdom of God is is when we're living in that kingdom, there's a sense of goodness, peace, and joy about your life. Oh, it doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles and difficulties, but there's a sense of joy and peace and goodness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is ruling and reigning. I put on the screen and I put in your notes, the greatest cause of that joy is really an acronymic form. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. You do that, you will have some incredible joy. Let me wrap this up real quick this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. See, the Word of God warns us about seeking first God's kingdom and His righteousness. Why? Because it's too easy to lose the focus of the eternal when we're continually affected by the temporal. Very familiar portions of scripture says, says these words. And we know that God causes everything. Say that with me. Everything. Say it again. Everything. Doesn't say some things. It says everything. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Now, I've actually went out and read some Bibles. And they've taken that word, the, out. 
And I don't know because when I go back and look at the original Greek, the inference of that terminology is there. And what does that terminology outline? Let me get a little, let me get a little, uh, a little theological for you just for a moment. Read the passage. The good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Last week, I talked about obstacles and opportunities. How do you know the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? Because the reality an opportunity can be an obstacle, and an obstacle can be an opportunity. The difference is, does it draw you to or repel you from God? Can I tell you that there are some bad things in life that are a catalyst to draw you to God? And there are some great things in life that are a catalyst to repel you from God. We must be aware of the greater effect. Okay. So let's look at that passage. He works everything together for the good. What does that mean? What does it actually mean? Bill here may be going through hell on a banana peel. Well, that's okay. If you're, if you're going through hell, just don't stop. Keep going. Okay, some of you will get that later. But he could be going. And you know what? He might be exactly where God wants him to be. God doesn't say, I'm going to take that problem away. God doesn't say, I'm going to change that circumstance. He says, I'm going to use it for the good. I'm going to build this man through that. I'm going to lift this man. I'm going to encourage this. That's what it means when God works everything together for the good. He doesn't say, I'm going to make it good. How many ever went through something bad? You said this could never be good. But when you looked at it later, you found out that was actually good. You know, folks, if I, had the, if, I had the, if I had the foresight of my hindsight, I'd have incredible insight. The problem is, is I, can't, I can't look forward going backwards. I've got to just focus from where I'm at. The man or the woman who would keep first things first realizes he or she cannot allow the temporal happenings of this world to impact them. Let me say that again. The man or the woman who would keep first things first realizes that he or she cannot. I probably should have put a harder, a hard, a harder uh, word there and say must not allow the temporal happenings of this world to, to uh, uh, so impact them, so much so that they detour from focusing on the eternal things that were planned for them and they give up, therefore not enduring till the end. The scripture declares, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And this is a paradox of huge proportions. How does somebody really live that kind of life? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's relatively simple. It's just not really easy. Because it all has to do with perspective. How do you live in the world and not of the world? I told you I'm going to get a little theological, folks. How do you live in the world but not of the world? It is majority about perspective. It is the way you view your life in this life. Do you view it temporally or do you view it eternally? 
If you view it eternally, can I tell you something? You will always be living in the world, but not of it. If you live it temporally, you'll be in, encased in the debts of this world. Am I making sense today? Paul outlines in Romans. Paul, or as Paul outlines in Romans, I want to ask, do we really live our lives if we really, as if we really believe that all things are working together for the good? Do you really live your life or do you sit down as a victim? Well, because, you know, of, because of, of where I was born, it's just the lot in life. Because of the color of my skin, this is just the lot in life. Because of the, the family heritage, this is just the lot in life. Because of the job I have, this is just the lot. Do you allow that to be the controlling factor? If it is, you're a man or a woman living in the temporal and not in the eternal. Because God does not allow any of that to govern your victory. Somebody say amen. Someone said a long time ago, you may be sure that if nobody thinks you are strange and out of step, you are not a good Christian. And then a friend of his added wisely to it, however, you should also say that if everybody thinks you are strange and out of step, you are not a good Christian. I want the worship team to come. The Bible says we're a peculiar people. That doesn't mean strangely odd. That means beautifully different. The light of God's glory is supposed to shine in and on and through our lives. Colossians chapter 3 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Heaven's not a fictitious place. Heaven is not a place of dreams or apparitions. Heaven is as real as the place that you and I live today. Keep your sights on heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And look what it goes on to say. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you're dead. You've died to this life. And your real life, your overcoming life, your victorious life is hid in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. When we look anywhere else, we lose. When we live anywhere else, we lose. Folks, they can never tell me about victory. That's my choice. They can't stop my victory. That's my choice. They can't stop my overcoming. That's my choice. I have to choose to keep Christ first 
in all things. And he said, I will promise you if you'll do that, I'll work everything together for the good of you. Because you are my called and you've chose to live according to my purpose. And that's all I got to say about that. No. Come on, give him praise. Mm. Maybe you're here. I don't know everybody where they're from. I, I mean, I know lots of folks. I don't know where you're from. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I don't even know where you are right now. But I can promise you this one thing. If you will keep first things first, if you will keep God first, does God have a problem? I mean, I look out here, and this is Super Bowl Sunday. I know some of you thought I was going to say anything about it. Folks, if you want a Super Bowl party, it ain't happening at my house. I, I, don't, I don't know the first thing about it. I watched, okay, true confessions. <laughs> I like to, lo- to watch the last five minutes of the game. That's all, about all the interest I have. Are you okay with that? But I got folks in here, man, they're die hard. Football and basketball, and it's football today, right? Super Bowl's football. Okay. Sorry. I remember one year I was talking about, I was talking about something, and I, I did a whole sermon on the message, and, and it was about the wrong sports. But anyway, God doesn't have you a problem. Doesn't have a problem with you. Tie-dyed or, or whatever the words are. Sports person. He just said, I don't want that to be before me. Amen. You know, the Bible says bodily exercise profits little. But godly exercise is immeasurable. But God has no problem. I go to the gym. Don't you say a word. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I started going. Leland, help me out, would you? Say amen, would you, Leland? Okay, good. Leland knows I'm, I'm, I'm telling, okay? God doesn't have a problem. All God wants you to do is to keep first things first. He wants you to live a victorious life, and you can. You can be incredibly, extraordinarily victorious every single day, no matter what you face. But the problem is not outside. It's an inside job. I live knowing that God is going to work all things together for the good. Because I've answered his call. And I'm living according to his purpose. So I know. Oh, pastor, you can't. I know that I'm going to be victorious. It might take a few days. But I'm going to look back and say, God, thank you that you used that for this. That you took me there to get me here. Where are you at today? Because you can be that same person. You can be that person that lives a victorious life. You can be that person that overcomes every single time. Say, Pastor, do you overcome every every single time? Oh, 
I might have a few, bumps, a few more bumps and bruises, but every time I overcome. Why? He gave me the power. I walk in that. Therefore, I do it. Where are you? Where are you at? Are things happening? I'm going to ask you to do something different today. I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward. But I'm going to ask you, if you're going through stuff in your life, and you're saying, Pastor, I like this series, I encourage you to go to our website. And you can download it for free. You can listen to it over and over and over. The podcast. You can get all the notes. You can give it to your friends. You can sell it if you want to. How do I have to give it to the church? Keep the money yourself. Go for it. But listen to me. You can live this life. But it's your choice. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe you're saying, I like what I hear and I want to live this. But pastor, would you pray with me? I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward, but I'm going to ask you to stand up in your chair right where you're at. Right where you're at. Say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Because I, yeah, I want this. I want to live this. I want to do this. All over this building, just quickly. I want to pray with you. People are standing up. Join them. Be honest with God. Be honest with yourself. Folks, I'm not, I'm not preaching some, some kind of fallacy that can't be accomplished. It can be. Read the Bible. It is full of people facing the same things. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says there is nothing that we'll ever go through that we cannot handle. But every temptation, every testing, every trial, every situation that we ever face, God will give us the strength that we might stand up under it to overcome. Well, people say, well, Pastor, you you just don't understand where I'm at. Well, you're right. But can I tell you? That's verse 13. You know what verse 12 says? Everybody in the world is facing the same junk. That's verse 12. So if they are, do you think it's a bad thing if you are? Don't let pride keep you down. If you're going through this kind of junk, I'm going to ask the Pastor Philemon, Pastor Ray, some of our leaders, we're going to lay hands on people. If that's you, stand to your feet quickly. We want to take a moment and we want to pray with you. Come on, be honest. I see some of you, oh, okay. Yeah, I got to do this. Just do it. It'll feel great. God's not letting me go of this. You got to, folks, like I, I told the worship team, I said, God wants to do something today. God wants to do something today. And we worshiped with that understanding. We understand. We'll fight for you. That's what this battle is all about up here. But we can't change a soul. That's up to you. Before I change the order of the service, quickly, stand to your feet. Okay, Pastor Philemon, I want you to come on this aisle over here. Pastor Ray, on this aisle over here. If you would. Praise the Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Where's, where's Bob at? Bob's running around here somewhere. Praise the Lamb of God. John Jaramillo, get over here in the center section, would you please? And I want you to go to every single person you see standing. And I don't want you to spend time talking to them. I just want you to pray 
physically touch them, lay hands on them under the anointing of God as they say, Father, I thank you for your grace that is going to meet them right where they are. As they go through, go ahead, pastors. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. If you're standing next to somebody or sitting next to somebody and they're standing, go ahead and just lay your hand on them. Join with them. Some of our altar team and our our prayer team, if you get out and pray with people, we're standing. We're standing. God has called us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. All he says you got to do is put me first. That's all he said you got to do. Put me first. Father, thank you. Thank you in this house. God, you've got men and women, God, that are dealing with stuff. God, it might just be everyday life. God, we got a lot of school kids in here. And God, I, man, I, my heart goes out to them. I don't know that I could be in school these days. I'd probably want to get in the flesh more than stay in the spirit. God, help our students. God, help our young people. God, living in today's society, there's so much peer pressure. God, on our jobs, there's so much peer pressure. There's so many people that are trying to mold us into their image, into the image of the world. But God, we're in this world. We're not of it. God, help us to live life knowing that every single day, no matter what happens, that you're going to work it together for the good of my life. Because God, I'm seeking you first. I'm putting you first. I'm living in your kingdom. You are my king. And my life will live according to your purpose. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' holy, holy name. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.